0: My son came across this creature by chance this morning while listening to stories on his phone. He was taken aback when he heard the town of Madeira, Pennsylvania, Clearfield County, mentioned because I also had grown up in Madeira. I'd never really heard any serious stories about strange things in the woods and we were always in those woods.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
0: It was truly creepy at night though. None of us ventured into the woods at night and it always felt like something was out there watching. We usually didn't go anywhere alone, not even to the neighbors' houses. It was kind of an unspoken understanding. I had eventually married and moved to another part of the state and my sons were grown. My sons also loved Madeira and roaming the woods there. We visited often. My youngest son and I had planned to drive up to visit my sister and her family who had remained living in Madeira. It's a quiet, beautiful little town where everyone knows everyone and neighbors help neighbors. Our encounter, my son and I were near home when we saw it crossing the road. It was huge. It had a massive dog-like head and my son swears it looked like it had a lion's mane the shoulders were very large and muscular and the back end was almost deer like it looked like it had dark fur but darker fur in places that resembled kind of stripes or large spots it also had a very long tail my son and i disagree on a few details but the size head tail and black patches we both agree on neither of us had ever seen anything like it before or since We got to the spot where we'd seen it and it was long gone. I swear it crossed that road in one giant leap and was halfway up the embankment when it hit the ground running. When we got to my sister's house we told them what we had seen and of course, they didn't believe us. They said it was probably a big dog or a bear. We know what we saw and we still don't know what it was but it's not something we'll ever forget. That was in 2017. Now we keep our eyes open every time we go back home. It wasn't a dog man, but it was some kind of beast and it ran on all fours. I often wonder how many other people have seen it. This incident from 1917 happened to my paternal grandmother and members of her family. She was 18 at the time and the family lived somewhere near the Sulphur river bottom in East Texas southwest of texarkana based on my recollection of what had been told to me over the years she died in 1975 most of my grandmother's family lived in and around the atlanta slash queen city area south of the sulfur river at the time in question she and her immediate family were living in a farmhouse somewhere west of queen city and south of the sulfur river where lake wright patman is today. Her family apparently moved around quite a bit in that area and it's hard to pinpoint the exact location of this farmhouse. My grandmother was always referring to Knight's Bluff in her many stories. I'm not exactly sure of the location of Knight's Bluff. I believe it doesn't exist anymore, the site possibly submerged by the lake, in that in my lifetime I've never heard of it except in the references of my grandmother and father. I remember my grandmother telling how they, mother, father, and some combination of her many brothers and sisters, were coming home from town on a bright moonlit night in summer, and on one occasion I recall she specifically mentioned Knights Bluff as being that town. And since they were riding in a mule-drawn wagon, I suspect they were somewhere within 8 to 12 miles from Knights Bluff, wherever that was. She said they turned into the lane leading to the house one detail i seem to recall is that she referred to the pasture to their right as the east pasture implying the lane leading north to the farmhouse according to her the first indication that there was a problem was that the mules were acting up she said her father said something about a snake then they heard something i honestly don't recall her exact words screaming squalling a high-pitched eerie wail. my words the moon was high and the night was flooded with bright moonlight. The tree line beyond the east pasture, where the sounds were coming from, was very black in contrast. She said they watched as a tall figure came out of the trees and stood full in the moonlight. It was as tall or taller as a man and covered with long dark hair. I do remember that my grandmother said it stood absolute erect and walked slowly toward them, like a man, not slouching like an ape. All the time it was howling and shrieking and motioning angrily at them. Her father fired a shot at this thing and it turned and ran back into the woods. Getting to the house, my grandmother said the dogs were all cowed under the porch. They barricaded the doors and spent a fearful, though uneventful, night. The next day, and several days thereafter, her father, brothers, and neighbors ranged through the woods looking for any sign of this thing, blood, fur, tracks, but nothing was ever found. This is probably the most interesting of the old tales my grandmother and father told me over the years and that it was the only story in which a creature of this type was seen clearly. As a native Floridian and avid hunter growing up I've seen and have heard lots of things in the woods around our great state. Some things were easy to understand and some things were just not explainable. Anyway, this is my and my mother's story. I had her proofread this before sending it to make sure I remember this correctly. It's the fall of 1976 and I was five years old. My mom and I lived in Kathleen, Florida on the edge of the green swamp. Back then it was a dirt road and there were only a couple of houses on the road and a relatively new trailer park at the end of the road. We had to drive a little less than half a mile back down our trail of a driveway to get to our home. It was an old wood frame home that was over 100 years old. We had an artesian well pump in the kitchen and for the first few months we lived there we had to heat the water on the gas stove to have hot bath water. This was an old cracker house on blocks and had a front porch that I used to play under all the time. The roof of the porch was on a pitch and the edge was over the wooden stairs. It measured seven foot six from the ground to the roof line. So, it was nearly dusk when my mom and I were coming down the drive in her VW bus. She had lights on high to spot any deer that might be on the property. As we rounded the curve in the driveway and the lights shined on the house that's when we both saw it and it was big and broad and looking directly at our car. Now I'm not going to tell you it had big red eyes. The eye shine that i saw for only a split second was golden it turned and walked down the side of the house between the cow pasture fence and the house my mom hit the gas and went around the great oak tree that was at the corner of the porch she got around the side of the house and we saw nothing she grabbed a .38 revolver and jumped out of the car telling me to lock the doors little good that would have done looking back so With the car off headlights shining and my mom at our fence line she stood and stayed quiet our hunting dogs that were in their kennels were whimpering they normally barked at anything when we came home not this night they were scared there's more to the story the next day we looked for prints the porch and the oak tree size is relevant because it's what we use to size up our guest The creature was standing next to our porch and his head was just under the edge of the roof 7 foot 6 at the edge of the overhang. So now, being older and having a firm grasp on measurement, I'm guessing this thing was 7 feet tall. It was nearly as thick or wide as the great oak tree. Based on what our landlord later told us, it was about 90 years old. We had cows and hunting dogs. We even had a calf that was about 400 pounds or so that I would hand feed and had bottle fed because his mother died shortly after birthing. Anyway, my mom was calling the calf to get him to come to the fence. It wouldn't come. She called again. Nothing. Silence. All of a sudden we heard the most god-awful scream from what we thought was that calf. And then, nothing. So, this whole time, I'm in the car the door is locked and the windows cracked so I could hear. My mom ran back to the car. I opened her door and she backed us out of there quick and went to her girlfriend's house who lived about a half hour away. Mom was rattled. She talked the whole way. Did you see it? Yes mama, I saw it. It was big and hairy. Did you hear the calf? She asked. Mom I did. You think it's dead mama? Do you smell it? she slammed on the brakes and nearly put me in the dash you could smell it too yes it stunk bad worse than the dogs we got to my mom's friend's house and she got on the phone with mr goldsby he was the landlord she nervously told him what happened she nearly dropped the phone he said it was a skunk ape it's been around for years damn thing stinks too The next day we went home and met with Mr. Goldsby. He came to the house to see if we could find anything. We found footprints right by the porch where it stood when we saw it. We measured them and they were just over 15 inches long. Several tracks led to the fence. These tracks had nearly a 60 inch stride in between. Mom and Mr. Goldsby went into the cow pasture. She wouldn't let me come because there was a lot of dog fennel growing all around and some palmetto patches. They found the calf. It was dead and his neck and head had been pulled up and backward to where his spine was pulled up past his shoulders and broken. Mom said there was very blood around. My mom asked Mr. Goldsby why he didn't tell us about this before. He simply said he was so used to it coming around and not bothering anything that he didn't think he needed to. We moved two weeks later. It was about 8.30 PM while taking out the trash at work with a coworker slash roommate. A large dog approached us. It seemed to be galloping. It wasn't walking normally like an animal should. Despite the many surrounding lights, the dog appeared to be entirely black. It was silhouetted just enough that you could see its muscle definition. I could see a slight reflection in its eyes. It seemed to lack a shadow. My roommate and I both expressed having different experiences and visions of the dog. When I initially saw the dog, I interacted saying, ah, dog, in excitement. For me, it proceeded to sit entirely still on the cement, staring like a statue. What I saw was a large, fluffy, black dog. Lazy ears. Similar to a Newfoundland dog. My roommate expresses seeing the dog as a large, very muscular, aggressive looking black dog that stood rigid the entire time, staring like it wanted to attack. It was short-haired, muscled, and had pointed ears. I jokingly stated that the dog looked like a skinwalker, not really anticipating that anything would happen. Then we immediately felt a wake of dread fall over us. Something was wrong. We both saw the dog's jaw open, almost as if it was about to bark. We heard a distant yet extremely clear, high-pitched come here. The dog immediately turned to take off. We turned around the corner, the creature was unreasonably far up the road for the short amount of time that it was not being observed. It was wobbling, crossing its paws, walking oddly. When it turned left around a corner, it seemed to nearly stand up on it hind paws, walking on two legs, just before passing around out of sight. The rest of the night was just as interesting. We had trouble with certain objects slightly moving place. Nudging a bit. Settling. It quickly became more aggressive. But then, just as we were about to leave, we heard a loud and persistent knocking coming from the front of the store. We quickly went to our cars. On the drive home, I tried to blast music and ignore what I had just seen. I heard whispering coming from my back seat, I couldn't quite make out any words. It just sounded like whistling, almost. But get this, I saw a random antique clawfoot bathtub. On the left side of the road. In a field. It was certainly not there the day before, or even that morning on my drive there. The kicker? I was watching the sidelines of the roads for animals, and I most certainly saw a buck. He was leaping out in front of the road, a good 50 feet ahead. I slammed on my brakes, but when I got closer, it was merely a bush. Perhaps I was just paranoid but this is all very concerning. It was later in the evening when I was driving back to my in-laws house by myself and was going down a dirt road. I saw something in the ditch up ahead and on the right and didn't really know what it was until I got up far enough so that my headlights could catch it. I didn't know anything about dog men, until a couple of years ago. This thing had an outline of a huge dog, but when I got closer, it turned and looked at me. I just floored it. It didn't really bother me until I noticed it looking at me and I saw that it was actually grasping what it was eating. I got back and didn't say exactly what I saw. I just asked them if there were any big dogs or wolves up where they lived. My father-in-law just laughed and said, no. Then he asked why. I didn't say anything. The thing I will never forget are the reddish, orange eyes that just kept staring at me. I went to Joshua Tree a few days ago in an Airbnb with three of my friends. The house was a nice size and had to be accessed by a unpaved dirt road. The closest house to us was maybe a mile away. All houses in this area have private driveways, too. On one of our drives back from getting groceries, I had saw an animal run away from our headlights super fast, but I couldn't make it out. I assumed it was like a deer or something because of how big it was. But all I had seen in the desert were quails, no big animals. That night I had a dream that my friends and I were searching for something and we were taken to a basement full of things and there was a small house with a red door. We went inside but I don't remember what was there. This may or may not have anything to do with my experience but I read here that dreams do have correlation. One of the nights of our stay we had a bonfire and did some stargazing. I had to pee at one point so I went inside and was gone for maybe 5 minutes. When my friend and I came back my two other friends weren't sitting by the fire. I just sat and waited a couple minutes for them to come back, but ended up going inside to check for them but they weren't there. We go back out and start calling for them and get no response instead. We hear coughing close by the right side of the house where the pool was. We immediately knew it was our friend because they had been kinda reserved. Our first instinct was to find them and help. At some points of the trip we had gotten concerned if they were sick or something but they ended up feeling a lot better. We start to go looking for them by the pool but we call again, and in response we just hear the same exact cough, same pitch. It was the same cough maybe 4 or 5 times. We thought our friend was throwing up or maybe smoking. Usually when we called for them they'd answer immediately except for this time there was just more coughing. The last time we called they had finally answered and started coming around from the opposite side of the house and the sounds of them walking and taking came from the left side side of the house just seconds after we heard the coughing on the right side, and they were completely oblivious to everything that was happening. They had no idea about the coughing and didn't even hear us calling until they got closer to the house. As soon as I realized the coughing was a lure for us it confirmed that something had been keeping an eye on us. Based off of what I've read I'm very sure I had a skinwalker experience. I'll answer any questions, I also need to know if I should get cleansed. Edit. This can't be chalked up to hearing things because of weed. We all have high tolerances and weed doesn't make you hear things. We were both very aware and I was probably the most sober. It was very quiet too, we had just turned off the music because we were talking. We ended up smoking later that night and the friend we thought we heard coughing has such a soft cough, you can barely hear it. The pitch of the coughing we heard specifically sounded like our friend, but as if something was stuck in their throat or throwing up. Added extra detail so it doesn't seem like I'm an unaware pothead. A little about me for context. Wasn't born in Tennessee, I was born up north and moved down at about three years of age. Since I have lived here a majority of my life I have had many years to meet plenty of stereotypical southerners and plenty of non-stereotypical southerners. Meeting said people I have heard my share of crited folklore and always brushed it aside. That was until I was like eight, when I was on a camping trip with my then alive great-grandfather on my stepdad's side. My stepdad and his family have been in Tennessee for as far back as his four ex-great-grandparents, on the second night of camping we were roasting some franks and heard a noise. I'm not really sure how to describe the noise but it was a kind of high-pitched noise that was like a scream but not like an elk or a deer noise either. I digress, I vividly remember that he stood up and looked around. Then it happened again and me at the time not understanding great-grandparenthood I just called him grandpa. So I said starting to cry grandpa I'm scared and now that I look back on it this is kinda freaky because he said you better be indicating that it must have been bad what was in the forest. He had me take his keys to TH car and put them in the ignition of his 85 Toyota SR5. While walking to the truck I hear it again but now it sounds like whatever had made it was slightly closer. Two seconds later I hear heavy footsteps and I am swooped off my feet by my old ah great grandpa. He carried me to the truck and we GTFO. Didn't bring a single thing with us or anything. And that was unlike Randy his name, to abandon stuff in the forest because he had an unhuman love for nature and did legitimately anything to keep the environment clean. But me being eight I didn't notice that, all I knew is that whatever had made that noise was far behind us. That was 11 years ago and about 5 years ago I had remembered that and looked up Scary Forest Stream and that was my first contact with actual information on cryptids other than what sounded made up tall tales by gas station clerks. I stayed up all night that night googling and searching things up. My mind had a craving for more answers about what went down that night when Randy had turned heel and ran. My then and current conclusion is a skinwalker had found us and was a good distance away since if the Wendigo sounds close it's far and if it sounds far you are screwed because it is pretty close. On to the actual story now. I have lived in Tennessee a good majority of my life, being in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains it has always been a hot spot, or suspected, cryptoid activity such as skinwalkers, Wendigos, Bigfoot, Mothman, and moon-eyed people just to name a few better known. Some lesser known or only known to locals, the Tennessee Terror, the White Bluff Screamer, the Bell Witch, the Not Deer, and Old Green Eyes. I have explored around probably more than my welcome. In my five years intern search, camping, nighttime driving, conversing, and so on I have a good understanding of local cryptids. And as fake as it may sound I 100% been watched or in one case I think I was being followed by a Wendigo while packing up from a camping trip with friends. I digress, driving around almost all of East Tennessee and surrounding areas I have talked to countless people from the Appalachian area or people from elsewhere in the US and what they have noticed about cryptid activity. About 70% of the people say they don't be live in that stuff and change the subject but the 40% that are probably also local seem willing but yet again hesitant to talk. Many have common stories about being followed and hearing screams and so on, but there is a few that stand out to me. The teller's name was Bill, so the story had to have been true, and the story went like this. According to him on day after coming home from a five-week-long shift of being a fire tower lookout he had gotten home and met the dog watcher and paid him the promised $50. Five minutes after he had started unpacking and the dog sitter left his dog started going crazy, he thought that there was a small animal that it saw so he let it out and closed the door. He had all of his belongings to unpack so he did so, and after unpacking he went back out to his truck to grab a six-pack of Blue Ribbon beers that he had gotten on his way back. He said that he called for the dog called Blue and no Blue came to the call so he thought Blue heard the call and was on his way back. So he went inside and turned on the TV falling asleep. Waking at about 10 p.m. via a scream, obviously alarmed he grabbed his 1911.45 caliber pistol going outside to investigate. Remarking how cold it had gotten though only being June. Calling for Blue forgetting that Blue had not come back yet started walking down the driveway and he noticed that as he was not walking straight but he knew that it wasn't an indus because he had only had two beers. Brushing it off as tiredness continued down and about halfway down he started feeling anxious, and then his sixth sense kicked in and he could tell that something was watching him. He spun around aiming his gun and shining his light, he then called for Blue and only then realized that Blue was nowhere to be found and felt a wave of terror brush over him. Hearing the scream again running at full speed up the driveway and popping shots at the forest in fear. When inside he ran to his bed and grabbed his M16. Running back out to the living room opening the window and opening fire on the forest. Afterwards closing the window and locking all possible entrances and barricading himself in his room for two days. In my opinion the worst decision possible he called somebody to come and help him. Being a really luck MF he managed to wait out the Wendigo and was helped by the friend he called. As the years have went by since I took notice of cryptids I started to hear less of them and I think that maybe the cryptids are trying to keep themselves more hidden. But I'm not really sure, needless to say though I still have the feeling of being watched occasionally. But from this a good question arises, if they aren't here then where are they? Did they go somewhere, and if so where? Maybe something sinister is happening and we don't know it yet. There is really no way to know and only time will tell. If anyone else from Tennessee or Appalachia sees this, please share your experiences because I would love to hear more and connect stories. I live in Eastern Europe and I need help to ID a phenomenon that happened to me back when I was 12. It was spring and I was visiting my grandparents like every other weekend when I decided I wanted to light some firecrackers near the woods in the creek nearby. When I went there, after the first one I felt watched and all sounds except my thoughts became silent. No birds, no insects only me. I continued but that feeling never went away. I eventually started slowly backtracking to the trail and when I felt that the thing wasn't seeing me well behind the plant life and trees I sprinted to my grandparents house. Before you rule out the story and say that it was bear or something like that you need to know that there weren't even deer where I lived. The biggest predator up out there, to my knowledge, was slash as a fox and I know that because me and my dad hunt in that area. A couple, Marcos and Sonia Rivera, involved in previous encounters were standing on their balcony in their residence located on a hill when at one point they noticed something strange and large flying over the area. Using a pair of binoculars both were stunned to see that they were looking at gigantic winged human-like figures at least 25 feet in height. There were two figures, and both appeared to be playing in mid-air, performing circling maneuvers, at first they were together. One of them was white in color and the other one dark and both had large white eagle-like wings. It suddenly started to rain and both flew towards the northeast disappearing from sight. There was nothing special about the evening I'm going to share with everyone. I live in these old apartments built in the 60s, but I feel like they were built before that. I went to sleep as I normally would and my SO at the time slept next to me, I was closest to the wall. From where I lay in bed if I get woken up I can look straight through my closet and into the bathroom and see the mirror in there. I was awakened and I wasn't sure why. I scanned the room and I didn't see anything in my direct line of sight. My eyes adjusted a bit better and that's when I looked towards the bathroom, which should have been a straight shot to the mirror, however, there was something there in the way of the mirror. That's when it occurred to me that I was looking at a shadowy, extremely tall, basically as big and wide as the doorway it was standing in. A tall man, with a heavy trench coat, heavy-duty steel-toed boots, and then a wide-brimmed hat. No other features were made out. It looked as though this man was watching us sleep. Instantly thinking it's an intruder I shook my SO awake slowly and quietly and the best I could without making sudden or obvious movements. They saw what I was shaking them awake for immediately and squeezed my leg. I was so scared, I thought surely, this is where I die. I watched closely at this man, and he didn't seem to move very much. I saw what looked like breathing movements and just small movements in general. I texted my mom because I figured I can't make a phone call to the police the intruder will hear me. She said I better not be playing, but that she called the cops. It felt like an eternity. We waited, keeping an eye on the figure, but again no crazy quick movements just watching us. I would squeeze my SO's leg when I thought it would be moving. We hear a loud knocking at our door and it was the cops at that point. My SO leapt out of the bed and ran for the door. The cops looked around and then started questioning us. There was no figure in the doorway now. Come to find out the figure was the hat man. I only discovered this recently as I thought it was sleep paralysis or something. But watching a YouTube video about entities and ghosts I heard someone being watched by the same shadowy figure in the same way. But was definitely being watched by this entity. The internet only validated what I saw with pictures. I just bought a home on the Ohio slash Michigan border, it is in the middle of the woods. I only own about five acres, but it is surrounded by over 600 acres of woodland. There is only one other house nearby. I've noticed a few strange things, and had a few strange things happen recently. I will explain in detail. I'm worried about the possibility of a Wendigo or Skinwalker, but I am not knowledgeable on the subject and would like to learn as much as possible to protect my family. The red flags, an older single woman sold us the home. Her daughter and son-in-law were helping her sell it by owner. Many times the daughter mentioned about how her mother was paranoid living there. She had lived there for over 20 years, but now never leaves the home. Even through she is in good health. She said she would never answer the door whenever someone knocked. And there are cameras outside. There is also a flashlight in every room. They accepted our offer of almost $60,000 under asking price. We loved the property and told them that, but couldn't afford what they were asking. They met us where we could afford it. During the home inspection, the inspector tried opening a window and it was stuck shut. He went to try another and the homeowner stated, none of the windows open, they haven't in years. I didn't think anything of it, and just assumed they were old and broken. Home was built in 1980.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: ...and has original windows. Inspector also found some issues with the exterior of the house. Just appeared to be a lack of maintenance outside. Once again, the family stated that the homeowner just didn't like to be outside anymore and spends all her time inside. I met with the homeowner at her house again so I could gather some measurements. While I was there she showed me how a few things in the home work. She made it a point to show me a light on a pole outside. She said, if that light ever goes out, replace it immediately. It is way too dark out there without it. She has also stated that at night, we will hear coyotes right up against the house, as they like to gather by a bush near the front porch in the winter. A co-worker of mine has lived in the woods two counties over for years. He just went through a rough divorce and was forced to sell his home. He just gifted me an axis deer skull with antlers. He said it was gifted to him when he bought his property and he kept it by his front door. He now wants me to have it, and suggested I hang it up outside. I'm a hunter and thought it was cool and never thought more of it until now. My fiance and I have both been having nightmares. Not about a Wendigo, but my nightmare is about my newborn son getting possessed by something. I've had the dream a few times. My fiancé won't tell me about her dream. We haven't taken possession yet, but we will on November 6th. I'm concerned something is going on with this property and want to know if you all think I have anything to worry about. If you think I do, what can I do? I've only been living here at Snow College for a couple months, but something strange is definitely happening here. For context, I am part Native American of the Lakota Sioux Tribe, and I'm trying to reconnect with that part of my heritage as I have moved out and away from my parents. I have always believed in the existence of skinwalkers, but the events that have transpired over the past couple of months have solidified it for me. At first, the occurrences started out small, hearing footsteps, growling in bushes, etc, but as the weeks have gone on they have gotten to be bigger and bigger. It all came to a head Saturday night when I get a frantic text from a good friend of mine saying that he's messed up big time and scared shitless. Now this friend of mine is a very imposing dude, 6 feet 2 around 280, and he grew up around Baltimore, so it takes a lot to scare him. So he's going through and telling me what happened and what he saw. A couple blocks away from the main campus they're building a new temple and this friend loves to walk around this area at night. According to him, just past the one streetlight on this road, he could see a massive dog pacing back and forth, east to west. He described it as a dog with the posture of a bear, toned build, obviously wild but no discernible fur on it like it was completely in silhouette. So of course I do some research and see the accounts of the Sherman family on their ranch, and Gwen's description of a wolf slash dog she ran into sounds eerily similar to what my friend saw. What my friend neglects to tell me until we were out there again last night is that he was whistling on his walk. As we approached the spot where he saw it the night before, sitting under the streetlight, was the creature, it was exactly as he described it. Huge dog, posture of a bear pointy ears, smoothest skin I've seen on a wild animal ever. We're both rightfully spooked, so we head back towards campus, as we're walking past the humanities building, he tells me that it was around this spot where he was seeing shadow figures, he described them as having distinct human forms, and hearing what sounded like a huge animal running at him, he came across a bald eagle feather in the middle of the sidewalk. There haven't been any bald eagle sightings in Ephraim from what I know. We hung out on campus for a while after our encounter by the temple grounds, and we both were able to come to the conclusion that there was almost like a line across campus that the sightings would stop. Against my better judgment, I'm planning on going out there again later tonight to see if I could maybe get any pictures of this thing for concrete evidence that we both saw something, and that it wasn't just our nerves getting to us. So I hope I am not putting myself in danger taking the time to be open about this, and I hope I am doing this right. I will just start off with my own encounter, and proceed to talk about the encounters of two other family members. So around two or three years ago, I first came across the idea of a skinwalker existing. I have always been interested in the paranormal, but at the same time I didn't want to get involved. I wouldn't shut my mouth about it, talking to my friends about it and what not until one day something happened that spooked me. So my family has this property a mile or so away from the Roanoke River and it was acquired a long time ago, it covers a lot of land and it is completely densely wooded. And part of my family has been there since. It is currently split between my sister and her fiancé and on the other half is occupied by my grandparents. One day. I was there because the internet at my house had stopped working, and I had to complete online coursework because this was during the time of Covid and shutdowns everywhere. I am in the house alone, quietly minding my work, and then I hear a scream in the distance. I can't say why but I froze, my eyes locked staring out the window. I have lived in the country before, and I know how noisy and weird animals could be. It freaked me out because I never really heard a scream like that. It sounded distorted an animal, like yet also like a human being murdered. In my mind I knew it had to be an animal. I mean, it's the woods. Animals live there. They will eventually make weird noises. Now before I finish this story I wanna first say I still think there is possibly a more common explanation for what occurred, I don't know what happened for sure so I am not going to make any certain statements. Well 30 seconds after this scream that sounded pretty far. I heard a male hello. Sound very close to the window I was staring out of. The way my gut churned and the sick feeling I got instantly was like none other. I felt like my breath was leaving my body. It was the tone of this hello it was as if a friend was excited to see me, but I saw no one out there. My mind was just racing and telling me to get out. Likely chance of it being an actual person murdering people or something. I just need to get out of here and leave. And so I did. I called up my family who were away at the time and told them what happened, explaining how either they have someone trespassing or something really weird is going on. They investigated when they came home and nothing was found. I decided to then respect that I don't know what is out there, and there are peoples who have been around longer than I have and I should listen. I stopped worrying about it and I rarely think of it and I personally have never had another encounter like that again. My sister and her fiancé, however, have their own side of this ongoing story about this property. I am only repeating what I managed to get out of them. Whenever I tried getting them to recount their experiences, they just stare up to the distance and seem closed off. It is obvious they truly believe what they saw was something out of the ordinary. Well, her fiancé had family from New York over. They spent a few nights there and a couple of the family members self-identify as witches. My sister told me they heard of the Skinwalker and wanted to try to call to it. Now, I am not sure if that's even possible, I thought it was rather unwise but, not my house not my problem. A while after the visit my sister came to my house and she talked to me about something she saw while driving home at night. She described a pale figure, white and faceless on the side of the road of this property I had my experience at. She really wouldn't go much into detail because she didn't enjoy talking about it. I realized that something serious could be on that land. I advised her to not worry about it and that weird unexplainable things happen all the time. Until also, when her fiancé was driving home by that land at night, he also saw it. He went into more detail and described it as a faceless, white, bright humanoid. It sort of crawled in a skipping fashion and didn't stop. Straight across the road in front of the car. I opened up about this to someone who runs a museum for all things paranormal in a nearby area. She advised me to get in contact with someone who may know a Native American spiritual leader. The only Native person I know though, was my late grandfather, so that is a dead end. I personally allowed myself to be at peace though. I have been ignoring it, and refusing to dwell on it, until writing this post, and nothing has bothered me though. I am going tonight to stay at that house again. What makes it even creepier is that especially when it's cold, we hear coyotes howling all the time out there, and it sort of became a peaceful thing knowing that nature is as it should be. But when the sun goes down and those woods are quiet I can't help but imagine what could be happening beyond what I can see. I would actually love to go camping one day and spend time outdoors, but something changed in me that makes me reluctant to leave the walls of that house when I am there. I apologize for the wall of text, but I hope you find my confusion and terror entertaining. Any input on what you think these encounters could have been would be appreciated. I genuinely hope you all say it's nothing and that this is just paranoia. All I can really speak for is my own one encounter, I bet if I were present at the other two, I could divulge more detail. Again, thanks for any input for what could have happened. Still a little confused on this one. It was truly bizarre and I can't for the life of me figure out a good explanation. I'm interested if anyone has any idea what it could be that we saw or has experienced anything similar. For background. My fiancé and I just concluded an awesome road trip from Austin to Albuquerque and back. I was raised in New Mexico, so the point of the trip was for my fiancé to meet my family in Burke and also to see the beauty of the high desert that is so dear to my heart. We decided to take the route that goes through Lubbock and Clovis through Eastern End. We wanted to at least hit Route 66 slash I-40 before bed, but an hour out of Clovis we started to get tired. It was around 1 am and we had been on the road most of the day so we agreed it was time for some sweet snoozing. I was riding bitch, so clearly it was my sworn duty to find us a campsite, and as my fiancé's unofficial guide I was also determined to find somewhere that was representative of New Mexico's natural beauty. We're avid outdoors people and fishermen, so Lake Sumner was right off our route and the perfect choice. So I make a reservation online and we detour down a dark road in the remote desert about six miles off the highway until we hit Lake Sumner and roll our little truck into the car campsite. We have a camper in the truck bed with a sweet air mattress, so setup is a breeze. I had picked the corner site for privacy and damn had it paid off. Since it apparently rained for days before we arrived, it's pretty cloudy and we can't see the stars. However, we do have the perfect view of the black expanse of lake over the shrubby tree line. The entire campsite is nearly empty when we arrive. It's cold, it's quiet, it's vast and empty, and it's so peaceful. I'd somehow never made it here in my whole 20 years in the state, and it is everything my heart had wanted. We grabbed our pajamas out of our suitcases and my fiancé settled down on his tailgate to eat tasty, albeit somewhat cold leftovers. I'm grabbing my candy from the passenger seat door when my I hear him say, what is that? What is what? I ask, but I wasn't really paying attention because sour punch straws. There's a weird light out there. Huh. I tell him it's probably just people with flashlights down the way. But he says, no, it's moving up and down really fast. And it's above the tree line. I go and take a look, even though I'm pretty sure it's just a headlight or something. But he's right. I see a soft yellow circle of light, and it's clearly not on our side of the lake because it is, in fact, visible above the line of trees. I watch it as it moves quickly from one end of the landscape to the other before bobbing downwards and disappearing behind the shadow of a tall tree on our side of the water. Then, even more weirdly, another one appears on the opposite side of the lake and starts moving as well, independently from the first. That's when I finally agree that yep, this is kinda odd. At that point though, I'm still feeling like there is a mundane explanation. Neither of us have never been to Lake Sumner before. We have no idea how big the lake is, and it's dark as hell so I can't see much past the tree line of the shore. But when we woke up the next morning, We were finally able to see in the light of day how big the lake is, and how far away those orbs truly must have been. That is when I felt officially gobsmacked. They were above the tree line, but still disappearing behind the tallest trees. That means that the lights were almost certainly above the water. And the way they were moving, up, down, side to side, sometimes incredibly quickly, makes absolutely no sense for how far away they were. I can't think of a logical explanation. A boat can't move like that. A human can't move like that. A car can't move like that either, and if it were a car then we'd see two headlights moving in tandem. Also the lights didn't look like standard lights, they had a soft glow and were a very yellowy yellow. The quality of the light was nothing like an LED. My best guess would be some soft incandescent bulb, but it didn't look quite like that either. It was pretty far away though. And if, somehow, it was two people with flashlights on the other side of the lake like I originally thought, why the hell were they on opposite ends of the lake from each other? And how the hell did they manage to jump so high in the air that it was a visible up and down motion to us a mile away? There is absolutely no way a human being could jump like that. It doesn't fit our observation. To make it weirder, My partner later elaborated that, before I came over to look, he saw the light go into the water. I didn't see this, but I believe him. He's not the type to embellish nor jump to illogical conclusions. I'm just absolutely stumped, and I have no logical explanation other than ball lightning or Marfa lights which don't exactly fit as a likely scenario either. If you've read this far, I appreciate it. Please tell me someone else has experienced something like this in that area so I feel less crazy. If my boyfriend hadn't been there and seen exactly what I had I think I'd be utterly freaked out. As it stands, I'm just curious beyond all belief and hoping to figure out some sort of explanation that fits. We took photos the next day of where we saw the lights. These were taken from the same perspective and angle that we were looking when we saw them the night before. I'm hoping that they help illustrate the perspective slash treeline slash how far away the other side of the lake is. Late last year, I moved out west to Alberta to take a government job in the Rocky Mountains working for a national park. My job involves working hands on in the park and in some ways is similar to being a bylaw officer. The reason that this is relevant is because I spent a lot of time with my boots quite literally on the ground, getting paid to drive back and forth over the continental divide. I know the park and its surroundings like the back of my hand at this point, I am highly aware of the animals and plants that live here, i am comfortable in the backcountry maybe more than I ever have been, and I know what kind of things one can expect to encounter in these forests, and where. It was a beautiful, sunny day in about mid-June of this year. Spring had finally begun, and the weather was starting to get nice. It was about 15 degrees, 60 F, I had an unexpected day off of work, my girlfriend had a half day, and so I got the bright idea of picking her up from work and taking her to an area called the spray valley. I wasn't really up for a big hike that day, but I had read online that there was a viewpoint along Highway 742 that offered an amazing view of Mount Assiniboine, the most prominent mountain in that part of the Rockies, and so I thought it might be a good place to drive to and check out for something to do. The easiest way to get to the valley, if you're already in the mountains, is to take the 742 from the town of Canmore, following it over Waitman's Gap, a pass that traverses the saddle between two large peaks, As soon as we got up to elevation it was pretty apparent that spring had sprung to a way lesser extent up there. There was still some lingering snow on the slopes, though the road was clear, and we were shocked to see mountain goats licking the salt from the trail in front of us, which is totally unheard of at such a low elevation, as they're typically high up in the subalpine and alpine areas where there are no roads. Late snow melts will do this, as there's just no way for them to be in their usual habitat when it's inundated with snowpack. This becomes important later. Calling the 742 a highway is pretty damn generous, it's really just a gravel two-lane snaking deep into the backcountry. The whole area around the spray valley has a reputation for being less tourist-slash-family-friendly, and can be somewhat dangerous to reach depending on the weather up the pass. It's way more remote than most car accessible areas adjacent, and often has harsher conditions. As a result, it sees way fewer people than any nearby parks, and that day was no exception, especially given that winter was hanging on to some extent at altitude. But we noticed, as we got further and further away from the comparatively busy section by the pass, that we weren't really seeing anybody at all. We drove for an hour and change, and soon we went from passing a couple of cars every 15 or so minutes, to literally being the only ones on the road. The parking lots at the roadside day use areas were completely empty. We arrived at the viewpoint, I threw it in park at the edge of the road, and we got out of the truck. What struck me most was just how quiet things were. Aside from the sound of birds and our own voices, we were well and truly alone. The valley was long and wide, and with the mountains at a reasonable distance from the highway in both directions, there wasn't much opportunity for an echo. We had a long shot of visibility in each direction down the highway, and there was clearly nobody around. Moreover, all the cars we had passed on the way had kicked up a lot of dirt from the gravel on the dry valley floor, which can be quite arid due to the rain shadow of the peaks around it, and there wasn't a speck of it to be seen. No dust clouds, no sound, no approaching cars. When I say we were alone, I mean that every sense confirmed this fact. I had downloaded the area on Google Maps before we lost cell signal, and so I opened it up to check what was nearby. There were a couple of alpine trailheads in either direction, probably unusable with the snow sticking around, and a closed, seasonal helipad about two kilometers across a canyon. No wonder the lack of crowds, we spent 10 or 15 minutes admiring the view took some pictures walked over to a pond at the edge of the road and sat there for a bit while my girlfriend a herbalist admired some of the plants noting how much smaller and earlier they were in the growing season than the plants in our part of the rockies before long we noticed across the pond about 100 feet from the highway there was a small outbuilding even though the spray valley has much less infrastructure than other areas due to the low volume of visitors, it still does have some facilities like bathrooms at trailheads, and so we assumed that's what it was. Curious about what trailhead it was, we walked back to the truck and cruised back toward the parking lot we had seen just a minute or so before we had parked. I pulled in and, once again, this lot was empty. No cars, no dust, not even any obviously disturbed gravel from 4x4 tires or anything like that. I remember this clearly because I was kind of reveling in how alone we were, since I'm used to wrangling tourists and giving out citations. We got out of the truck, and suddenly I was hit with this familiar sense of unease. Other outdoorsmen will know what I mean. I've spoken to hunters, wardens, guides, and other people who get it too. What I mean is that usually I just know when there's a bear around. I don't think it's anything supernatural. My guess is that I can smell them or something, and don't realize it consciously. I had that sense of vigilance wash over me, and so I reached into the center console and grabbed my bear spray and attached it to my belt. I stopped for a minute, my girlfriend close by, while I listened to see if I could hear anything. I couldn't, so we approached the beginning of the trail. It was a long, even, clear-cut, grassy area, and reminded me more of the type of double-track trails you'd see in the flatlands than a mountain trailhead. It was so wide that the park had actually placed a couple of granite slabs in front of it to keep people from taking motor vehicles down it. We read the map on the sign and we both took a few pictures of our surroundings, standing on the slabs, when suddenly we heard a sharp crack about 20-25 to feet away from us in the forest to our right. The forest was thick, dense, mossy, and surprisingly damp for a valley that was dry enough for dust clouds to hang in the air for minutes after a vehicle passed by. There was just about zero visibility beyond the first few trees. The crack itself immediately concerned me, because it sounded to me like the type of crack you'd get from breaking in half one of the first pieces of wood you'd put on a fresh campfire. Bigger than kindling, a decent sized branch from the sound of it, and so whatever made the noises needed to have some weight slash strength to have broken something that large. I immediately put myself between my girlfriend and the forest and we called out to see if somebody was there. I heard nothing, and so assuming it was an animal, I started yelling the typical stuff we're taught to yell when a bear is around in the backcountry, as they're intentionally socialized with rubber bullets to run when confronted. I clapped five times in quick succession. About seven seconds passed, and something in the forest, twenty to twenty-five feet away. Clapped back twice, slowly and deliberately, at me. I have large, thick palms. I measured them as I was writing this all down to get an idea of how big my hands actually are. Spread wide, as if I were about to clap, they're eight by five. They have a distinctive sound because of their size and whatever it was that clapped at us sounded extremely similar. So, something at least my size was physically clapping at us, or something was able to mimic the sound I made perfectly. I mentioned before that, due to the width of the valley, there wasn't really any room for the type of echo you might get in a narrow gully or up on the pass. Also, echoes have that natural, shimmering reverb that decays over time as the sound waves bounce back at you, What we heard certainly did not. It was real clapping, in real time. It took about two seconds flat for me to go from standing next to the sign to half dragging, half carrying my girlfriend back to the truck. We paused with our backs against the vehicle, straining to see into the woods from across the parking lot, trying to hear what we could hear. I don't remember what I yelled, but I yelled something to let whatever was standing over that that it wasn't welcome and we got in the truck and I peeled out. My girlfriend was very upset, I was pretty shaken myself, and I wasn't really keen on being in the backcountry anymore. The whole drive back toward the pass we felt off, as if we were being watched, and even though it was a warm sunny day, the atmosphere was hostile and weird. We stopped at a picnic area by the spray lakes further up the valley to see if we could make it a palate cleanser. But i just couldn't relax and was quite on edge the whole time we still talk about it frequently and everybody i've spoken to with serious backcountry experience is equally as puzzled by what i experienced a few of the friends i have interested in the paranormal have noted that crawler slash crawler like creatures and sasquatches are both known to mimic people debunking a few explanations i or other people have raised a hiker messing with us as i mentioned before there was absolutely no evidence of any vehicle nearby, and many of the trailheads in the area were difficult or impossible to access due to the late melt. For sure nobody could have gotten there without a vehicle. Even a cycling trip would take at least half a day, maybe longer, from any population center nearby. There is no through hike that connects to the trail in question. Also, the general etiquette here in the backcountry, Because of what a hostile environment it can be, is to make your presence known and address other hikers when you see or hear them. Somebody who lived back there, no doubt that there are people who live in secluded areas of the Rockies and eke out a living poaching, foraging, or bringing supplies back from town. I have quite literally found their camps myself. But with a valley as wide as the spray, there was zero reason for them to be so close to a trailhead or the highway. There's plenty of water sources further into the bush, and given the late growing season there was no special wild edible like berries or spruce tips that might have attracted them. A beaver slapping its tail on the pond. A beaver slap is a very distinct, wet, flat, and surprisingly loud sound. It sounds more like hitting a noodle or a flutterboard on the surface of a pool. This was a crisp, fleshy sound, and it wasn't coming from the pond beside us. It was right there in front of us in the woods. There was no sign of another human being within 25 plus km in any given direction from where we were that day, possibly further. No noise, no dust, no cars, no bikes. No voices, no footsteps, no reason for anybody to be there so early in the season, with the snow still on the slopes. I can't help but think whatever we disturbed was trying to communicate with us but I'm very glad we didn't stick around to find out what it wanted, curious or malevolent as it may have been. As a witch I have had my fair share of negative entities such as the shadow walker, you know the feeling that you get that someone or something is watching you in your room after you lay down to go to sleep or ever see someone walk by you only for no one to be there? Most of the time that's a shadow walker they normally go after witches or people with high energy levels they are similar to demons they often watch and observe you but like any other negative entity they will sometimes get violent if they can't get your energy but this is quite rare. 99% of the time they will just leave you alone for a while then come back to observe and watch you sometimes when you're asleep they will whisper or breath he valley into your ear pay no attention to it they're just trying to scare you but if they start leaving cuts and bruises cleanse your house immediately and have protection by your bed whether it's a cross, rune, or spell bottle keep it by your bed. That is all for now friends may good luck and safety come to you. I was sleeping and kept waking up, I checked the time and it's noon and I figured I might as well sleep in a little more. I turned over a few times to look at my boyfriend, sound asleep beside me. I even kept touching my back to him to help me fall back asleep. After some more tossing and turning, I decide I might as well just get up and start my day. Carefully, I get out of bed so as not to wake him up. As soon as I open the bedroom door, there he is on our couch, wrapped up in his towels fresh from the shower. I jumped a little because I was 100% sure he had been laying in bed next to me the whole time. I ask him, when did you get up? And he says noon. I wrote it off as maybe I was too tired and imagined him, or maybe he had the time wrong for when he got up. But I remember looking at his sleeping face, and touching our backs together. I haven't mentioned anything to him or anyone else, but I can't stop thinking about it.